and maybe even today, it's been a while since you've thought about the dream that God has given you. But if you would even in this moment, just take a second to recall what it was like when God began to download into your mind and heart the dream for your life. It'll only take a second and it will, all that will come rushing back into you. And it's like a, it's like a, a picture that's, that God created and he, he shows you an image. And you can see it with, whether your eyes are open or closed. You can feel it in your heart if you just think about it for a moment. But each of us has, been, has a life that God has created for us that he wants us to fulfill and he want, a life that he wants us to become. But with every single dream that God gives, there's an enemy who wants to interrupt that process of that dream and intersect it with a nightmare and a battle and opposition that will be placed in front of you, a nightmare experience to try to stop you and to keep you from fulfilling the dream that God has innately placed within you. I remember as a very young boy, I, I, I don't remember exactly what age, but maybe elementary, late elementary, early middle school, I can't remember, I had, a, I had an actual dream that I was preaching in front of a very large crowd and there was revival happening. Every seat filled, packed from front to back to the sides, maximum capacity. I'm preaching and revival is happening. And I remember coming up stairs and telling my mom about that dream. And she, she looks at me and says, honey, I think that was a dream from the Lord. And, and, and we all have these moments in our life where, be, where God will give us a dream, but the enemy wants to come and give you a nightmare. And there's always a pattern to what the enemy uses to stop us from fulfilling that dream. There's, there's a demon that he sends out to every single child of God that's been given a dream by God. And he sends out a demon to stop you, to discourage you, to tire you out, to keep you from fulfilling everything that God wants you to fulfill. It's a pattern that the enemy uses. Now, most people will give up their dream right before they're about to experience the fulfillment of the dream. If you think about David's life, as a young boy, maybe 17 years old, he was prophesied over by Samuel. He was going to become king over all of Israel. This dream enters his heart. And what does it take? Like, was it 30 more years after that before he actually really did become king of all of Israel? And at the very beginning, he killed a giant. And this giant was standing in his way of becoming king of Israel. It was a very early battle for his life. But I will tell you today that if David did not kill Goliath at the beginning, he would have never become king of Israel at the end. You see, there's, there's, there's enemies to defeat along the way. And most of us, we think of Goliath as the greatest giant we're going to face. But it's not the greatest giant you're going to face, but it is the first giant that you're going to face. Many of you, your, your Goliath will be your family. Your family will discourage you from following the will of God for your life. It'll be your best friends at the time 
when you're living for the world and in the world, you've created relationships, but you give your heart to heavenly things and godly things. You give your life to Jesus, and it's those close relationships that'll be a giant in your life that will keep you from fulfilling everything that God has for you. And so David throws that stone, and he kills Goliath, but the Bible's pretty clear how many stones David picked up, right? He picked up five smooth stones out of that riverbed that day to go out to fight one man. I don't think, you know, the, the Bible scholars and teachers and, 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 and people who study the Word talk about how Goliath had four brothers, right? And so David grabbed a stone for each member of that family, he was not just, he, in his mind, he was not just taking out Goliath, but he was grabbing a stone for each of the brothers as well. And I don't know if that's true, but boy, that preaches well. You know what I'm saying? But David did, or Goliath did have a brother, had a few brothers. As a matter of fact, one of his brothers' names was Saph, S-A-P-H. And um, it's funny, but Goliath and his brothers, their names are, names are important. And their names all translate to to something. Goliath's name has a translation and it's, a, it's an evil, hell-bound kind of demon that comes to kill you and destroy you and intimidate you, Goliath. And if you can take it out, you'll move on to the next giant. But eventually you'll run into a giant named Saph. Now Saph is actually translated to mean uh, 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 fence keeper or threshold. Saf actually translates to fence keeper or threshold. And you see, you're going to go along your life fulfilling, trying to fulfill the dream that God gave you early on. And you're going to run into giants. And eventually you're going to run into this giant named Saf. And he's a brother of Goliath. And he waits at the door of your dream. And he's the last one to take out. And many people run into Saf and they quit. Right before they walk through the door, they get defeated by him. I watch it happen all the time. And we've got to be willing and able and strong enough to take out Saf, this threshold or this fence keeper who waits at the door and doesn't want you to just simply walk through. But I want to let you know right now that Jesus has already killed Goliath. Jesus killed all of Goliath's brothers. He defeated Saph already. And all you have to do is walk hand in hand with Jesus and Saph will fall over and die. Don't give up. There is an enemy and you must understand his tactics and his, his, his intentions and his techniques to try to stop you and me from fulfilling all that God has for us. There is an enemy that will wait at the door of your dream to keep you from going in. He has stopped a lot of people from becoming all that they were meant to be. And I want to tell you right now that many in here today have killed Goliath and we've killed of other Goliath's brothers. But then... We tend to get defeated by Saf because we run out of energy and we run out of, of a fortitude to push through and to pray through. And I'll quickly give you a, a ways to defeat your giants in your life, okay? Ways to defeat the giants in your life. Number one, it's prayer. It's prayer. And I want to encourage you today that there's, there's a tremendous power with prayer. That we don't fight the flesh and blood sitting in this room, 
or in your workplace or in your community or in your school. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We fight a battle. It's a spiritual heavenly battle. There's a battle taking place in the heavenlies that we can't see with our fleshly eyes. But prayer begins to do the work of the unseen so that we can accomplish something here today in the flesh. And prayer is so important. I love what Pastor Rhonda said at Princess Warrior. I was there. <laughs> Thankfully, I was able to sit in the back and run tech. But I hear these messages at Princess Warrior. And man, let me tell you what she said about prayer at Princess Warrior. She said prayer is like pushing open a very, very large concrete door that opens very slowly with every prayer you pray. You pray a prayer and this big concrete door opens an inch. And it's not enough to get through, Right? You need more than an inch. And you pray again, and it opens a little bit more, and you pray again, and it opens a little bit more, and you pray again, and it opens a little bit more. And if you don't quit, and you don't stop praying, and you refuse to look at your life with fleshly eyes, but you will resiliently, with the fortitude of faith, begin to see your life through a spiritual lens, you will understand that the flesh will say no, but the spirit will say yes. The flesh will say just quit, but the spirit will say I can't. The flesh will say nothing's happening. The spirit will say shut up. Something's happening in the spirit realm, amen? And that door will open and open and open, and it's a big door, and no man can shut it, and no man can open it. It's only opened with a God kind of thing, but once it's open, it doesn't shut. Amen? It opens. And I want to encourage you today to, to pray it through, and don't stop praying. What if I told you it's going to take 30 years worth of praying to open a door? Would you do it? Would you do it? Number two, and how to defeat your giants, just continue to show up. Just show up. Kemp Holden, a number of years ago, a man of God, was giving a, a quick leadership lesson to some staffs and elders and deacons here at the church during a spring convention uh, uh, time. And he says the most commonly used tactic of the enemy for the people of God is weariness. Just plain tired. Weariness. And the devil will get you tired so that you quit. But I want to let you know that if you continue to show up, he continues to get defeated. It's interesting, but there is something about just showing up. And I'm not talking about even showing up strong and ready and, 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 and amped up. And prayed up. I'm just talking about showing up, even weak, feeling defeated, feeling frustrated, questioning the, the sovereignty of God at times. Faith even feels smaller than a mustard seed, but you showed up, you see, and the enemy lost the battle that day. And I'm telling you, you just don't know what's happening in the spirit world. You don't even know that your defeated self, how it even just ministers to the person next to you when you're not even trying. And together we're better and we're stronger. And there's a synergy and an energy when you just show up. You just continue to show up. And the Bible is so amazing. And Jesus is so incredible because he doesn't even require us to be strong at times. Because when you're weak, then he is strong. So just Stop being strong in the flesh and just show up and say, God's got this. And Jesus has my back. 
And Jesus loves me more than I even love him. And he's more faithful to me than I am to him. And if I just show up, he's faithful and true and loving and kind and generous and and, and providential in how he works in my life. And I'm not going to quit. I'm going to continue to show up. Amen? Number three, a way to, the third and final way to defeat your giant is to just, is we call this get fresh oil. You, you just, you cannot afford to go to a dead church because there's going to be times in your life where you're going to need some fresh oil to get through a season of your life. You got to get the Holy Spirit in you. Some people ask, well, do you, do you need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? I wonder if you need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven. Well, folks, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I'd go to Walmart right now without the Holy Spirit. It's true. I don't think I'd go on Facebook right now without the Holy Spirit. So don't tell me you don't need the Holy Spirit. When those two sentences alone prove you need the Holy Spirit, my friends. You need fresh oil. You need a companion that sticks closer than a brother. There's a reason Jesus had to go. He said, my, I got a helper coming. And he's here for you. And he's going he's gonna to strengthen you. You've got to continue to get fresh oil. It's more important than you realize. Do you need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? It's hard to say exactly, but I don't want to live this life without him. Get fresh oil. I wonder why God gives us dreams. I wonder why God would even do this for us. Well, I believe one of the reasons he gives us dreams is to inspire us to push for something. Catch this now. We've got to get inspired to push for something in our life. When a woman is pregnant with a baby, she hates the idea of labor pain, but is moved at the thought of holding a child. She's willing to push through something because she's inspired by what's at the end of it. And that's why God gives us dreams inside of our hearts. It's because when we run into pain and a nightmare, we've got to say, I've got to push through this. Because there's something on the other side that God has for me. And I want to push and push and push because I'm inspired to see what's going to happen. We have got to be willing to let go of our mistakes and really eager to begin to develop our gifts. It's got to be inspired to do this. Another reason why I believe God gives us dreams is to truly give us a sense of destiny. You know, without a sense of destiny... You'd give up. You'd give up. Without a sense of destiny, the nightmare would scare you and you would quit. See, God is gracious to give us a dream so that we would be inspired and we would push through and we would get a sense of destiny inside of us. But with a sense of destiny you will find that God was there with you in the nightmare, in the darkness. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 12. 
It says, then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. When you have a sense of destiny, when there is a dream put on the inside of your heart by our Heavenly Father, you will go through a nightmare time, times of nightmares, times of darkness, times of doubt. But when you go through darkness, you'll actually begin to come to the realization that God is, tends to be closer to you in the darkness than he does when it's light and peaceful in your life. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 12, Solomon declares that God will live in a thick cloud of darkness. And I believe the mature Christian begins to realize and find out that if they don't quit, that they continue to push through in a dark season, that God was more present with them in this darkness than he was at the other side of the victory. Because when there's darkness, you go on more prayer walks than you normally would. Because when there's darkness, you open up the Bible because you just, you need a word from the Lord. When there's darkness and doubt, you're asking for your friends and your pastors and your church family to pray for you because you need a help in this season. And you'll find that God is closer to you in the darkness than he is even in the light. Why does God give us dreams? I believe he gives us a dream so that the devil will trip and fall. Because when God implants inside of you a dream inside your heart, the devil finds out about it, and he begins to plant a trap for you. But what God sovereignly does is he takes the the hole that the devil was digging for you to fall in, and the devil falls in that hole. Because the devil has absolutely no power over you, He can only try to deceive you and confuse you and trick you from the truth. But when you stand on the truth and the word of God and you begin to tell, you know, your friends and family that you're not quitting, that you're not giving up, that you're going to continue to pray, you're going to continue to show up, that you're going to continue to get fresh oil, that very hole the devil has been digging for you to fall in is the very hole that the devil and his demons fall in. And if you stick with it long enough, you can come out on the other side and laugh at the ridiculous tactic of the enemy and how it didn't work. Amen? Mm. The closer you get to fulfilling your dream, though, the harder it will get. It's like football. I love football. The easiest place to move on the field of the gridiron is between the 20-yard lines. It's the easiest place to move the ball. The field's wide open. The playbook is wide open. You can get your little skinny wide receivers to run these little fast routes, and you kind of pitch them the ball, and they do all this work down the field, and then they kind of get tripped up or they run out of bounds. But it's when you get to the 20-yard line that's called the red zone. What do you got to do when you get there? All of a sudden, the playbook changes. It's like the, it's like the offensive coordinator turns the page and says, all right, all right, okay, it's harder, it's harder now. It's the field is shortened up. It's squished in. My playbook's not wide open. I can't throw a 40-yard bomb. I only got 20 yards to work with. How are we going to squeeze this guy through the line in order to get into the end zone? What does he do? What does he do? We've all been there. We've all seen it. He starts to, he starts to send out his 400-pound linemen, the big boys, Right? Because the running back's going to get the ball, but the big boys are going to try to push the other big boys 
backwards so that the ball can get into the end zone. Everybody knows it's harder to finish than it is to begin. And you got to change your playbook up a little bit when you get towards the end, don't you? Sometimes you got to throw in a trick play so the enemy doesn't even see it coming. He's like, oh, man, I got these people figured out. We're like, no, we're going to do child care in 11 a.m. only. Devil. <laughs> There's a trick play here. We can figure this thing out. You see, all of a sudden, you got to sometimes throw in a trick play. Sometimes you got to throw in the Statue of Liberty play, right? There's other famous trick plays that football teams have made up over the years. And you got to throw in a trick play, and you got to do something different, and you gotta, and you got to begin to get in the big boys and call in the big boys and, and call up the pastor and say, all right, pastor, and getting home, we're almost there. Pray me through. Got to get the big boys in the game, amen? Another reason why God gives us dreams, as I believe, to give you a, a, a pillar to build off of. Look at what happened with Jacob in Genesis 28, verse 18. It says, The next morning Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against. He set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil all over it. Jacob did a few things right here. He put his head on the rock. And that rock was just a shadow of Jesus Christ. Rest your head on the rock of ages. Rest your head in the stone that sets up the corner, that's the cornerstone of your life. Put your head on the one who sits upon the rock. Amen? The rock of Jesus Christ. Put your head on the rock, and then all of a sudden that rock that you've laid your head against becomes a pillar for you to build your life off of. Because Jacob turned that rock upright, And he stood it up as a pillar before the Lord. Because he had a dream that night, didn't he? He had a dream that night. And that dream changed his life. And that moment changed the course of his life. And it's important that, that God will give us a dream to build our life off of, a pillar to begin to build our life off of. And then what did he do with that rock, that pillar that he turned upright? He began to pour oil all over. He began to anoint it. It went from the rock of Jesus to Jesus Christ, the christening of that rock, the anointing of the rock. He anointed the rock and turned into Jesus Christ. It was, became more than just a name. It became a name and a title, Jesus Christ. Amen? And upon which all men will be saved. And he began to do this, and then that rock became a, a pillar that got anointed, that he began to build his life off of that pillar. From that moment on, everything changed for Jacob. That's why God gives us dreams. And the last reason here is I believe God will give us a dream so that we can learn to hear his voice in our life. You know, God speaks softly while the world screams loudly. God speaks in the quiet place while the world will shout, shout from a rooftop. You know, God speaks in your prayer life while the world will try to get you face to face. I want to let you know that when you get a dream, set in your heart by God, you'll begin to learn to hear the voice of the Lord so that you will not make a mistake, so that you will not listen to the wrong voices. Every step of your life is purposed and planned and sovereignly laid out by God, and he is 
intimately interwoven into the every finite detail of your life, I'm telling you right now that if you would just begin to quiet down, listen to God, he'll begin to unfold for you the plans and the purposes and the path that he has for your life. If you'd only just stop the noise and begin to quiet your heart and listen, he will speak to you. And without a dream set deep down inside, I truly believe that you wouldn't take the time to listen because you wouldn't know, you wouldn't have much to risk or you wouldn't, it's like, um, it's funny, but I used to vacation with my parents, right? My mom and my dad are, when it comes to vacation, are total opposites. I remember my mom would say, oh, oh, honey, can we just get in the car and drive? And whatever the road takes us, we'll just stop and get a hotel and maybe it'll have a pool and we'll swim. And then the next day, we'll just get back in the car and just drive south a little bit more. And that, that idea of, of a plan that really is no plan, it never happened. Because my father is a planner. And he cannot just get in the car <laughs> and just begin to drive south. Not knowing a destination or where we're going to go or where we're ending up or what we're doing when we get there. And you see... I actually really love the idea of just getting in the car and driving south. I'm more like my mother. <laughs> but other you in here are like the idea of just getting in the car and driving without a destination sounds like the worst vacation of my life. The stress involved, the unknown, <laughs> the, the mystery of it all, it would drive me crazy, Right? And there's a, one of the, there's a good reason that God puts a plan and a purpose within your heart. It's so that you just don't drive aimlessly, willy-nilly through life without ever stopping to incline your ear to the Holy Spirit and to the Father's voice to say, God, am I going the right place? Am I going the right way? You see, and there's a reason God puts a dream inside your heart. And there's a reason God puts destiny inside your heart. And there's a reason he wants you to go for something. It's so you can learn to hear his voice. Amen? I want to finish my message with the story out of Genesis chapter 21. Now, I told you the title of my message was Pick Up That Boy. And we're going to figure out what that means here in this story we find in Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through 20. It says, when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian, Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. You see, if you remember what's happening here in the story is that God promised Abraham that he'd have, that he'd have childrens of childrens of childrens, right? He'd look up to the sky, Abraham, more than the number of the stars, right? Look to the sand. Your children will outnumber the sands. Of the, and, and, and so Abraham gets a dream from God, gets a vision from the Lord for his life, but he jumps the gun with the flesh and 
he can't have, he's having a hard time having a baby with, he can't have a baby with his wife, Sarah. And so he grabs his servant, Hagar, and he has a son with her and they name him Ishmael. But Ishmael was never meant, Ishmael wasn't the promise. See, Isaac was the promise given through Sarah, his wife. And so see, we have two sons here. Ishmael's older, but Isaac's the real son, the one given through Sarah. But, um, and, and we see here that Hagar and Ishmael are making fun of Isaac. And this is what, uh, has anybody ever seen their child getting picked on? You know, like mama bear, papa bear mode? You want to do something about it, don't you? Well, so does Sarah. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to, to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. Huh. Verse 11. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early next morning, prepared food in a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wizard, in the in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him. For I will make him a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer. God has obviously spoken this amazing dream about Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. But God also has a dream for Hagar and Ishmael. And she, Hagar, the mother of the boy Ishmael, she made a mistake where she let go of the dream. She let it go. As a matter of fact, she has determined in her mind that this is the place where we will die And as a mother, she cannot even bear the idea of her son dying slowly. So she puts the child under a bush and walks far enough away from the the boy that she can't hear his cries anymore. And she waits to die. See, she's, she's let go of a dream that God has no intentions of unfulfilling. God has every intention of fulfilling the dream, even though the mother has let go of it. And maybe today, you know there's a dream. 
You know there's a purpose to your life, but you've let it go. But God is gracious and kind and compassionate and patient, and he calls to you today to go back to what you let go and pick it up. Pick up that boy. Pick it up. And we see here that God heard the boy crying. And God will not let go of a dream that he has for you. He will not give up. He will not let go. And it's interesting because when God sees you, he actually sees the dream of you. The vision of you. He doesn't see you in the state that you sit here today in. He sees you in the purposes and the plans that he had prepared for you before you were ever even formed in your mother's womb. And he doesn't let go of it. And it, and, and it, it will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Amen? And even if you let go of it, he calls out to you because he hears the cries and he hears the distance that you've tried to create and he sees the distance that you've tried to create between you and your dream because you just thought it got too hard. This is too sad. This is very discouraging. Things that I've breathed life into and brought forth have passed away and ran away and and are dying on me and it just doesn't seem like everything's there and Saf, Saf is waiting in the door. He's a fence keeper and he's laughing at you. But all you have to do is go back. Go back. Go back. Go back to the promise of God that he called you to years and years ago and pick it back up and pray and believe and show up and don't quit and take Jesus' hand and he's already defeated Seth if you just won't quit, if you just won't stop, if even if your weakness, you just continue to show up because in your weakness, he is strong, not you. And I want to let you know that you don't have to throw the stone because David already threw the stone at Goliath. Jesus already threw the stone at the devil and destroyed him. All you got to do is rest in Jesus and believe in him. Amen? You don't have to do the work. But go back. God heard the boy crying. And when when God sees you, he doesn't even see all this mess. He doesn't even see your mess. He just sees the dream that he has for your life. That's what he sees when he sees you. And God goes and tells Hagar, he sends an angel and says, go pick up that boy. It's not, I'm not done with you. There is a well of water. There's a fresh oil available today that will pour all over you to re-inspire you and reignite you and re-engage you into the purposes and the plans and the callings of God that I have upon your life. Don't quit. You've listened to the, the enemy laugh, but I will have the last laugh, says the Lord. That hole that he's digging, he will fall in, says the Lord. Amen? And I love that God showed her where the water was. God showed her how to keep this dream alive. And God will do the same exact thing for you. It's time to pick up dropped dreams. It's time. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship. I'm going to have the worship team. Come on, worship team. Come on out here. I'm I'm standing here. You come around me. Let's do this. We're going to worship through this. We're going to worship. We're going to get a fresh oil. Amen. You need a fresh oil today? 
Lift your hands to heaven. Receive a fresh oil today, a reignition, a reigniting, a fresh fire, a fresh oil, a passion, a drive, a desire, an energy, an excitement, a a sense that the enemy is defeated, a sense that if you just showed up today, your battle's already won in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Church. He is with you. He is with you. Yes, Lord. In the morning and the evening, in your coming and Lord God, we we just, Lord God, we pray right now, Lord, that you would defeat every giant in our path. Lord, that you would walk with us, ahead of us, behind us, beside us, before us. Oh, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. The dream will be fulfilled. That the purposes and plans for our life will succeed. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I wonder if there's anybody here today who needs to give their life to Jesus. Maybe you're not a child of God. You don't consider yourself a Christian. I would love to pray with you right now. If that's you in this place and you want me to pray for you right now, that you give, that you're going to give your whole heart to the Lord, that you're going to become a child of God, that you're going to become a Christian starting today. Let us know if you want me to pray for you right now. Could you lift your hand? Could you lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Luke. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody in this place, anybody online, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. Take all of me and put a dream inside of me. I'm living for you and I'm not turning back. All the days of my life, are for you, for you. And I serve you. And I give you my whole life. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.